I was one of these people that when AI first started being talked about, started coming out, I was skeptical, scared possibly. One of those things that just goes, oh my Lord. And then I sat back and thought about it. And I thought, I'm old enough to remember when there wasn't an internet. And then I heard the same things about AI. And the internet didn't, yes, it changed the world, but it improved the world for the better. And I just thought AI is gonna do the same thing. I know AI can go and look at all of the research from around the world and extrapolate the important parts of that. And then we can add in the human factor, my experience, and create something that's gonna work for people. We came to something that I think is gonna benefit businesses massively. Hi, I'm Freya. Welcome to the Skynet Chronicles, Business in the AI Age, the podcast that dives deep into the world where artificial intelligence meets business. Join us as we explore the latest trends, challenges, and opportunities in this ever-evolving landscape. From innovative startups to established enterprises, we'll uncover the secrets behind the successful integration of AI technologies. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and get ready to unlock the mysteries of business in the AI age. Good morning, Graham. Welcome to the Skynet Chronicles podcast. So for a starter, tell us about you. My Lord. Morning, Tim. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Tell me, tell me, tell you about me. How long a story do you want? It's a long story. Let's go for two minutes. The two minute two bridge minute. version. Okay. The two minute bridge version. Um, my name is Graham Nichols. I own the Priority Academy. Uh, I'm married. I have a daughter. Uh, they are the main focus of my life. Um, while I enjoy everything I do at work, all of that is there to provide for them, try and give them the best life possible. There you go. That's a shorter than two minutes. Fantastic. That was a super abridged version. <laughs> we TLDR'd that one. Okay. Could you start by telling us what inspired you to combine your expertise as a mental health coach with AI to create your new tool? Absolutely. I think I was one of these people that when AI first started being talked about, started coming out, I was skeptical, scared possibly. One of those things that just goes, oh my Lord. And then I sat back and thought about it and I thought, I'm old enough to remember when there wasn't an internet. Yes, I'm that old. Um, and I remember it coming out and everybody going, oh, it's gonna change the world and everybody's gonna lose their jobs and all that. And then I heard the same things about AI and the internet didn't, yes, it changed the world, but it improved the world for the better. And I just thought AI is going to do the same thing. And I imagine there are people in their late teens, 20s now, who when they get to my age, will th th be saying, oh, I remember time without AI. Can you imagine? And all the kids will be going, without AI, what the heck? So I realized that AI is just going to become a tool that we use. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's nothing to be scared of or anything like that. It's a tool that we're going to use. And I started to wonder how I could incorporate it into what I do. And I don't think AI will ever... Um, remove the need for what I do and for what other people in mental health do, it will just add to it and, and hopefully improve the benefits from it. So I started considering how I could create a tool for that, had a conversation with you, and we came to something that I think is going to benefit businesses massively because businesses take on mental health support for their staff without really having a direction for it, yeah. and AI gives us that direction. So essentially, we're just augmenting the capabilities of mental health coaches with a new tool that does stuff that they couldn't do previously. Yeah, we're, we're targeting 
what needs to be targeted in a business. With the tool you've created, we created, we created um, it's going to give businesses the opportunity to go, okay, our staff, a greater majority of our staff are feeling stressed or are feeling anxious or are feeling overwhelmed. And we can target those people then. Not that, it, I mean, it's completely anonymous, but we can target the company as a whole and reduce the stress levels or the anxiety levels because we know that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, I'm a great believer in the 80-20 rule. Uh, the, you target the uh, the biggest majority of people and a lot of the other th symptoms go away. That's how it helps. And this tool allows us to do that with businesses. So when we were developing the priority mental health assessment tool, survey tool, yep. I think we have decided on a name. But. The assessment tool, I think, is a good okay. one. Um, what key mental health indicators were you most focused on capturing and why? I think I wanted to focus on, to start with, kind of the, the big five that people talk about. Um, stress is the primary um, aim of this because stress leads into everything else. When you get to a point of high stress, that's when things like anxiety comes in or depression comes in or burnout and overwhelm and that kind of thing. That's when they come in. So I started thinking, let's start with stress and let's add the the other ones we talk about, the other ones that are talk, talked about in the media, the social media, that people are known that know about, but maybe don't really know what they are. If we can target those and understand those in a business, we can then educate the people in the business so that they can help themselves. Fantastic. And the process that we followed in order to sort of get to the question areas, we leaned very heavily into AI for that, didn't we? We did, absolutely. And I think that was, that was key because I could create some questions. The truth is they would be from my experience and I wanted to make more than just my experience in this. It needed to be something that was researched. And I know AI can do that. I know AI can go and look at all of the research from around the world and extrapolate the important parts of that. And then we can add in the human factor, my experience, and create something that's gonna work for people. Superb. So how does the app specifically cater to the nuances of, this is a complicated question, of mental health in a corporate environment? And what challenges did you encounter while calibrating it to be sensitive to those nuances? I'm going to reel that back a bit. I don't think we are going into the nuances of it. I think we are hitting it head on yeah. and we're taking those five big areas and we're dealing with those because if we deal with those, we can help everybody to, to understand their own nuances. I don't think we need to dive into the depths of it because it's a lot easier that the depth of it comes on afterwards. Yeah. So I, if we look at anxiety as the example, anxiety isn't the problem. Anxiety is the symptom of the problem. And people always think anxiety is the problem or depression is the problem, and it's not. But if we find out what the symptom is, we can then deal with the problem. And that's what this tool does. It finds out which of the symptoms are most prevalent in a business and then we can help the, the workforce of that business to find and deal with the root cause of the problem. Fantastic. So we think a lot about ethics in AI. 
how have we ensured that the app is unbiased in its assessment and that we're not adding additional challenges due to the use of AI in this tool set? Yeah, the the key for me, or there were, there were a couple of keys for me when we started developing it. One is it has to be uh, anonymous. We don't want people having to go on, log on, so that there's any way we didn't want them having an individual number so that it, somehow it could be traced back. It is completely anonymous. They literally go onto the app and start answering questions. There's, there's no way anybody can tell who it is. That was key because then you get honest answers or more honest answers. People will open up to a screen more than they ever will to a human being to start with. Um, so that was key about making it anonymous. And the, the other key was to ensure that the questions made sense. We didn't want overcomplicated questions. We just wanted people to answer from their own experience over the last few weeks so that we could get that great overview. And then we combine it all together to, and allow AI to work its magic to come up with what the, the overview, this kind of a mental health overview for a business. It's a mental health profile for a business is, is how I've explained it to businesses so far. Fantastic. Could you walk us through how an individual company would integrate and interact with your survey tool as part of their, their routine? Yeah, I think the ideal way I think a company should take that on is to do have the survey to start with, get in touch, we'll create the, the survey, or the survey's created, we'll create the platform for them. They share it with all their staff. I don't think they should ever force the staff to do it, but give the staff the option to do it so we get as many people on board as possible. Yeah. From there, we can then look at what solutions we can come up with. The, the Priority Academy, we're, we're very solution-based. Um, we don't want people going to coaching or counsellors or therapists for month after month, year after year. That's not what we do. We're about providing a solution. And then after a set period of time, it might be after 12 months, they then run the assessment again. Because now we are monitoring the effectiveness of what we're providing. Yeah. The the coaching, the training, the workshops. We can monitor it accurately. Um, currently, employee assistance programs are put in place by businesses and kind of left there. They're, they're not talked about a lot. Like we've got one of those now. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very much a tick box exercise. And and I could tell you some stats around how many people get in touch with their EAP and how many people get rejected and all of that kind of stuff. But the truth is there's no way to monitor their EAP. Most EAP providers don't even provide a monthly report to the business to say this is how many people have been in touch, this is the main issues, that kind of stuff. That's something we do. We will always provide uh, updates on a regular basis to that. And this tool just allows us to measure the effectiveness of what we're doing. So after a year, we re uh, reassess. If there's no improvements, the business are welcome to come to me and go, Graham, you're useless. <laughs> Get lost. The hope is, of course, that they monitor it uh, after a year and they see the improvements and they know that what they're paying us for, we're doing. Yeah, so it's and that's key. establishing a baseline of the mental health within the organisation. And that's always going to evolve and flow as people move in and out of an organisation and change roles anyway. But then being able to measure against that previous baseline and go, okay, we've got a noticeable improvement in these areas. We're seeing challenges in, we're still seeing challenges in stress, yeah. probably. 
most businesses are going to experience that. Yeah. But you're then able to tailor a support package to help improve that situation within the company. Correct. And if we if we do the first assessment, and let's say seventy percent of the staff are experiencing high levels of stress, and after a year, fifty percent are. That's a massive improvement. It might still look like, wow, 50% of our staff are, but there's another 20% that have reduced the, their levels, which means their efficiencies, their productivity, their overall morale will have gone up and the business will have saved money because of it. Yeah, fantastic. So what have been some significant breakthroughs or moments of validation you've experienced during apps development and testing phases? I think the first time you sent me the the questionnaire and I ran through it for myself. It opens my eyes more to what I what I think is possible. I had it in my head that what was possible, but then to go through it and see what was possible with the help of AI, and then when you sent me the first set of reports and said this is what we create out of it, I was like, businesses it it provides a visual, clear dynamic of what a business's mental health profile is, and no business will have seen that before. And it gives them such a clear indication of where to go, even if they don't take on the, the services of the Priority Academy. Obviously, I'm hoping they do. But if they don't, but if they've already got an EAP provider, they can go back to that EAP provider and go, hello, look what your services are not doing. How are you going to help me to do this? Yeah. We're paying you for this service and it's not working. What are you going to do? It gives companies the control back of that service. Fantastic. Thank you. I'm inspired. I'm scared to run it in our organisation. <laughs> I think I know where the stress levels are going to be. But um, How does the priority company mental health survey tool navigate the often delicate balance between employee privacy and employer insight? And I know we've touched on it already being anonymous, but I think it's a really key thing to sort of dive into a bit more detail on. There's no point in tracking to an individual person if you know that you're being, your individual responses are being monitored and associated back to you, it creates challenges. So the approach that we've developed just gives a company ID with a, a survey that looks and feels like that company. But other than that, there is nothing. So we're not interested in their IP address. We're not interested in what time of day it is. We're just gathering answers to those key questions. And that was critical for us, wasn't it? We wanted something that would ensure that anonymity, anonymous, I can't say the word. It was truly anonymous. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I'll go with that. Um, because with that, we guarantee we're getting more interaction and more genuine feedback. And without that genuine feedback, that baseline measurement is ineffective. Yeah, I think natural, naturally humans are um, defensive about this kind of stuff scared skeptical about this kind of stuff and you will you will always get people who think they're tracking me somehow and i think if you go into a business with a um 100 people as an example i think we would target 80 percent of that because i think there will always be that 20 percent of people who go yeah they say it's anonymous but and they will find a way yeah. but the key is with those people who do take it on if they know they're being tracked you're either going to get people who don't tell the truth and make it seem better than they are, but you'll also get the people who don't tell the truth and make it seem worse than they are. It's just human nature. 
So the anon the I can't say it now. The anonymous <laughs> side of it, <laughs> the anonymous side of it, makes sure that those people can be as honest as they possibly can be, so that we get true honest results. Superb. So what pushback do you expect to get from people when you're talking about artificial intelligence in, and its involvement in mental health, which is traditionally a very people-centric process and organization structure? I think there's, there, will, there will always be fear of new stuff. It doesn't matter whether it's AI or anything else that comes out. There's always that fear there. I think the pushback will be, well, AI can't delve into people and solve people's problems. And that's not what we're trying to do here. I think if we had created or we'd wanted to create some sort of artificial intelligence chatbot that could sit and replace a coach or a counsellor, I think the pushback would be huge because that could have a great conversation and could work on the language side of what we do. But AI is never going to be able to understand who we are in our heart. It's never going to be able to understand feelings and emotions the way we experience them. Well, that's what a person does. Yeah. That's why I'm effective at what I do because I have empathy. AI does not. And I can't see a day, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but I can't see a day where AI is going to have empathy. And that's where the human interaction comes in. But we're not trying to do that. What we are achieving with this questionnaire is the first point of that. Yeah. Let's find out what the problems are first. Then the human solution can help those people and I think people still buy people and they always will and even if AI does develop the ability to have empathy and it can give a pretty good simulation of it now it doesn't get past the fact that we can sit and have a conversation look into each other's eyes and know that there is a human interacting behind that and that interaction is very different to interacting with a chatbot or even if I was just a, a robot here sat with a human skin face then it's still not the same thing. You you know that interaction, and I think that that is critical. So I, I don't see that changing when it comes to mental health. No, I don't either. I think there's there's you're right. You could be a robot out there, and you could be able to to see the the slight micro move, movements of my face and interpret that as an emotion or something. But there is always an energy between human beings, and I can sit, even if it's on a Zoom screen, I can sit and know when somebody's feeling something. That's the level of empathy I've developed. And I, I'm not sure, it's, it's not just about those micro movements on a face. It's about the energy that's, that's somehow being worked between us. And I can't see AI ever being able to replace that. I don't know, who knows, in a hundred years time long after we've gone, who knows what will happen. But at the moment, that's not, and it's not what we're trying to achieve here, let's be honest. We're not trying to replace anybody. We're trying to improve lives. Yeah, it's augmenting human capability with tools. And yeah. That's all we're looking at. Absolutely. So what feedback have you received from early adopters of the app and how is this shaping its evolution? The feedback so far has been really, really positive. Um, I'm, I'm actually running a, a set of reports for a charity at the moment who uh, have just... Uh, had their staff complete the uh, the questionnaire and I think it's just going to give them a really good overview the, the charity in question deal with some really heavy deep stuff yeah. and it's going to impact their people because we do as human beings we we take stuff on 
even when we try not to. You know, we talk about disassociation. We talk about keeping separate from it, not taking our work home. It's just not possible. It's who we are as human beings. So I think that's going to be a really useful tool for them. And I, I just see businesses, the more businesses that take this on, the more businesses are going to talk about it because it's just going to revolutionize their whole approach to their staff well-being. And, uh, you know, I see we get this, we get traction with this, we'll just develop it further and further. We will continue having conversations about how we develop this, not just in the, the mental health, but the whole well-being phase of life. And when businesses start to take that on, and I know businesses, a lot of businesses are really good at that already, we're just going to take it to the next level. Yeah, I think, I mean, as, as we've seen with the employee assistance programs, some companies just look at it as a box ticking, ticking exercise. But this really has the ability to get a, a feel of the pulse of the, the population in a company, and then through your structure and organisation, develop some solutions that are specific to solving that. Yeah. And I think that can make a real difference to lots of organisations. And I'm really glad that we're starting with this particular charity because there isn't really a more extreme scenario that they're dealing with. And so it is going to have an impact. And just getting a feel for how that is impacting their people and being able to tailor solutions to improve that within such a high value and amazing charity is going to be fantastic. Absolutely. There can be a degree of scepticism towards AI's role in such a personal aspect of our lives as mental health. How do you address and alleviate these concerns? That's a great question. And I'm not sure at this point in history how we will alleviate that. I think it takes time and experience Again, I, I, we were talking earlier about the, the, I'm old enough to know when there wasn't an internet. When the internet first came out, there was a huge degree of skepticism about it and it was going to you know, take over our lives, all that kind of stuff. And now people, there, there's not a day when a lot of people don't go on the internet for something. Yeah. And I think with time and experience, and as more businesses take on this process, it will just grow and grow and people will accept it more. I'm not sure we have the responsibility to take on skepticism. I think skepticism is a good thing in a lot of ways yeah. because it challenges us to make it better. Um, I don't think it's our responsibility to, to try and move past the skepticism. Human beings will be human beings at the end of the day and they will either embrace this or they won't. It's not our place to try and convince them to do that. I'm not going to go knocking on doors and going, you will take this on. And <laughs> it's just not, not it's what not I do. The energy, it? it's, it's really not. The, the people who genuinely care, and I was talking to a business yesterday, I was talking to a business owner yesterday who's got 60-odd staff, and he genuinely, genuinely cares about his staff. They're the people I want to work with. If somebody comes and wants this tool who just wants it as a tick box exercise, I've got to be honest. I'm not sure it's the right tool for them and it's, I'm not sure I want to work with those sort of people. I want to work with the business owners, the leaders who genuinely want to have an impact with their staff and make their lives better. We all spend so much time working. Businesses really should recognise that they can improve not just their business, not just their workforce's business life, work life, but their whole life yeah. by offering this support. Fantastic. I mean, your passion's clearly evident. 
And I think the benefit that this sort of assessment can make in a company is huge. So for company owners that are watching this podcast, that are interested in getting a baseline measurement of their mental health within their organisation and they're taking steps to improve that. What's their next step? What do they do to get, to get in touch? How do they get access to the tool? So they can, they can visit the Priority Academy website. Um, there's contact details on there. Drop me a line and I'll get in touch. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the best way for, to approach it for their business. The, the, the one thing that I always try and do is make it a bespoke approach to a business because every business is different. There's no point in me approaching a retail business the way I would approach a manufacturing business, the way I'd approach a sales business. It's just they're, they're different beasts and the workforce will be different. So I will have an honest and open conversation with them and we'll move forwards with with what is best with the tool and then what is best after that to, for their workforce. Fantastic. So could you share your vision for the future development of the tool? And are there any upcoming features or capabilities that you're especially excited about introducing? I think the more we use it, and, and my limited understanding of AI, the more we use it, the more AI will understand it and will be able to help us to develop it. I, I really hope and foresee a day where this is a baseline for businesses that on an annual basis they do this assessment and therefore create a well-being package for their staff that is based off of this assessment and we go deeper and further we don't just look at mental health we look at physical health the whole well-being of the person yeah. in some way so that businesses can truly shape not just their business but their workforce's life and I really think the businesses that do that will be the businesses that win in this world. They will attract the best staff. They will retain the best staff. And a byproduct of that almost will be they will be the most profitable businesses because their staff will work at the highest level they possibly can because that's what we do. If we're stressed, we don't work at a high level. If we're depressed or anxious, we don't work at a high level. If we know how to manage those things and enjoy our work and have a great environment and atmosphere at work it's almost unlimited what we're able to achieve yeah well as a recovering data geek i think the bit that i'm really excited about is when we can start to see trends between company types between regions for those companies that are entirely based in the office versus those that are entirely remote and that sort of categorization of the data set so that we can see, okay, we're seeing these trends and patterns that are emerging based on the type of business, the way that they work, because that then opens up more possibilities in terms of how you can support the company and say, well, we're seeing these trends across hybrid, companies that do hybrid where you're forced to do set days versus have freedom versus fully remote versus in the office. And that those in London tend to have higher stress potentially than those that are out in the countryside. I think that'll be really interesting. I think the, the, the possibilities are almost endless. And I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in um, the intricacies of stuff. Um, I love data too. It's up until now, it's been really hard to understand data in mental health. The data around EAPs is clear. 
it's not particularly positive, clear, but it's clear. clear. A little bit murky in terms of its yeah, availability. Absolutely. Um, but I think the when you focus on the little stuff, you can affect the big stuff. You know, if I'll take it in terms of gratitude. If you can focus and be grateful for something small, it's a lot easier to be grateful for something big. If we work on the same uh, facet with data, if we focus on the little stuff so that the big stuff develops by itself, then we've got the potential is, is huge to improve the world's mental health. I might be going, you know, big picture here and, and stepping beyond my bounds. I don't know, but why not? With nearly a billion people suffering with some form of mental health around the world, a billion people, well, at some point we've got to do something about it, right? Absolutely. Because that's more people than, than suffered during COVID. So we've got to do something about it. Hard-hitting headlines. <laughs> Fantastic. So in what ways do you anticipate artificial intelligence will revolutionise mental health in general? And how is your business poised to leverage that? I think... The, this tool will it will give businesses the opportunity to see what they haven't been able to see before. They might have an idea that something's wrong, but because people don't generally open up, not many people go to the manager and go, oh, excuse me, I'm stressed, help. They just don't. Human nature at the moment doesn't allow us to do that. Some people do. But lots of people keep it hidden inside because we still somewhere inside think it's a weakness. And it really isn't. We also somewhere inside think we've got it for life. And that's untrue as well. You know, I, I'm living proof. I, I was diagnosed with stress, depression, anxiety at the same time. And that was 20 years ago. And I've, I, I'm not that way now. Yes, do I feel stressed sometimes? Of course I do. That's life. Yeah. Do I feel a bit down or a bit anxious sometimes? Yeah, I do. But I don't suffer with it day in, day out. And I think when businesses can clearly get a picture of what's going on, therefore they can help those people, that's where the Priority Academy can come in with, you know, with either a consultancy approach, we have a consultancy approach, or we can come in with workshops, trainings, tools, coaching to help that business, to help their staff. And it, it becomes then... Um, it becomes then a beneficial circle because the more the company helps the staff, the more the staff help the company and it just continues. And I think we're, with this tool, we are primed to, again, I don't want to overstate it, but I, we're primed to change the landscape of mental health in business and possibly in life. I can't think of a better way to end a podcast than with that statement. Graham, it's been fantastic. Thank you for spending the time talking with us. It's been a pleasure, Tim. Thank you.